0: Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit IBM.com slash Watson Assistant.
1: Coach Kerr, welcome. Nice to have you along. Appreciate the Support listening to the broadcast. Good love. Dreamite Green is here. Why oh. didn't he coach the Knicks? He's a lifelong Bulls fan. Damn you. You do no wrong for me. Good decision. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know misery loves company, but why would you wish that on Steve Kermack, given all that's happened in the last three years? What's good? What's happening? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. We are 150 minutes or so away. From the start of the 98th NFL season, wow. later we'll give you the correct answers, yeah, right, to all the big burning <laughs> questions, only for you to make fun of us when we're proved wrong later in the season. And coming up, we'll head out to Flushing Meadows, where the ladies are most definitely putting the U.S. in U.S. over. Uh,
0: but first, we
2: start with a big event um, and some big news for the Patriots. Uh, Patriots wide receiver Malcolm Mitchell was placed on IR due to a knee injury, which means the Patriots will be without Mitchell for at least the first six weeks of the season. Now, this is the second Huge hit to that receiving core with Julian Edelman already out for the season. But the Patriots, as they often are, aren't exactly in dire straits with Chris Hogan, Brandon Cooks, Danny Amendola, and new acquisition, Philip Dorsett. But not surprisingly, of course, the overwhelming favorites. For this season, and virtually everything, are the Patriots. Uh, They begin their title defense as huge favorites to win Super Bowl 52. Our Football Power Index gives them a 32% chance to take home the Lombardi Trophy, well ahead of the Seahawks, Packers, and Steelers. Just to put that into perspective, at this time last year, the Packers were the FBI preseason Super Bowl favorite. But Green Bay, as the favorite, just had a 12% chance to win it all, while Seattle was a 15% favorite entering 2015. Sounds about right. 32%, huh?
1: Yeah.
2: Are we at this point, especially given the news we heard today about Malcolm Mitchell, we already know some of the other injuries they have. Are we over-respecting the Patriots so we have a little too much confidence that that they can just weather everything? Is that
1: such a thing? (laughs) There's no such thing. It's too much respect for the Patriots. Haven't
2: they earned it? They've earned a lot of respect, that's for sure. But I wonder, I know everybody points to last season and said, hey, they lost Gronkowski. Oh, they only went on to win a Super Bowl. And he's obviously the best tight end in the national football Maybe league. Maybe of all time. Maybe of all time. But with the Patriots, should you, instead of looking for the big losses, and everybody says as long as Tom Brady is upright, yeah. could it be death by a thousand paper cuts? All right. And I'm not going to pretend that Malcolm Mitchell, um, that he is the biggest offensive star on the Patriots. But every time we and they certainly prove us wrong when we start to doubt them. But at some point, even for the best teams, even for the best franchises, it's just like, oh, well, maybe there's a little bit more vulnerability here.
1: This time last year, did you know who Malcolm Mitchell was? Did not. Mid round rookie. Most, most who people Stepped up not. when Gronk went out. So yeah. before he was making huge catches in the Super Bowl, he was just another mid round pick that was the Patriots were developing until it was time for him to be next man up. This, this is what I mean by they've earned this. And there's no such thing as over respecting the Patriots. I, I think this needs to be said because we take this for granted. This decade, 2010, 14 and 2. 2011, 13 and 3. 2012 through 2015, 12-4. and 4. Last year, 14-2. and 2. Just, just let that sink in for a second. Let that sink Thank in. Thank God you don't have the picture. <laughs> <No>, I'm, I'm <laughs> saying it's, it's like, show me the weakness. Mm-hmm. And if the argument is, well, they can't continue this, well, why not? You have the greatest coach of all time. Check. Greatest quarterback of all time. Check. Greatest tight end of all time. Check. Continuity and consistency with the coaching staff. Check. A culture that is conducive to taking it week to week and treating every week like it is a Super Bowl. Check. A weak division. Check. Home field advantage most likely in the playoffs. Check. So, yeah, undefeated is certainly harder than it seems if any team could do it, absolutely. But they're there time and time again. They got a backup if something were to happen to Brady, who we'll talk about later. They got a. a who, what running back is going to be inactive given the, the caliber of running backs they have? They have assistant coaches like Dante Scarnecki keeping an offensive line together, Matt Patricia on defense, coaches that should be head coaches elsewhere staring, staying here to keep this thing going. So, I just want you to show me where the weakness is and say that said they shouldn't be the overwhelming favorite. I
2: don't know if it's necessarily a weakness as much as, again, as I said, being vulnerable. Now, it's
1: exciting. It
2: was, because as excited as Patriots fans are to open the season tonight as defending Super Bowl champions, it's arguable they may be more excited to boo Roger Goodell. As you pointed out, Patricia, he was the one that got this thing rolling when he wore this t-shirt after they won before depicting Goodell as a clown. Well, tonight, Patriot fans, they have 70,000 rally tiles with that same image, thanks to Dave Fortnord the founder of Barstool Sports. What a come up. And they also have this huge billboard of Clown Goodell, which he may see on his way to Gillette. So Foxborough is now Pettiville. Um
1: Which should, I know you love.
2: I, I do love it, but at, at some point, look, the Patriots and the Patriots organizations, their fans, they so won this ar- argument, if you will, for all of r- what Roger Goodell tried to take away from them last season by suspending Tom Brady, by bringing more character doubts to this franchise if you put you know couple this along with Spygate You guys have won. Like, you could let this go. Why? You never
1: let it go. You won. Never L-I-G. you won.
2: You've embarrassed the commissioner the moment he had to hand you the Lombardi. You made him look
1: like a fool. Exactly. So remind him that he was a clown in this situation, okay? And is a clown when it comes to most of these situations, quite honestly. Because if you're a Patriot fan, you have no reason to turn down the volume on the booing for Roger Goodell, okay? Every time you have an opportunity, you need to remind him how foolish that entire Deflategate saga Mm -hmm. in hindsight and for. For some foresight, and in the moment was okay. How a guy who allegedly needed an advantage back. Two years ago, went and lit it up in the second half of the AFC title game, lit it up against the Seahawks, did it the following year, and obviously went on to win the Super Bowl again last year. So how much of an advantage did he really need well, or need I mean, to Mike.
2: see? They so the point won. They won. Yeah, but you they know what?
1: Won. Just because the point's been proven on mean you don't need to reiterate it, okay? And if you're a fan, you're not beholden to respecting him. If you're the team, if you're the team, you certainly have moved past it. If you're Bob Kraft or Bill Belichick or Tom Brady, you don't want to be consumed with showing up Goodell. But if you're a fan, that's why he gets paid $40 million. To be the bad guy, to be the face of a league-wide witch hunt, which, it, which we all agree it was, led by other owners who were envious mm-hmm. of the Patriots. This isn't just a deflate gate. This is spy gate. Right. They've, 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 they've been anti-Patriot or there's been an anti-Patriot sentiment around the league for a while. Some of it deserved. But this is what you get when you get the last laugh. You get to call a commissioner or a clown. So
2: what, how many Super Bowls are enough until they never let enough. this go?
1: It's never enough. All right. Absolutely. Okay. could never go too far. <laughs> Kyrie Irving will be on the cover of 2K18 in a Celtics uniform. Tweeted for the culture. Okay. Not sure
2: I get the correlation. Yeah, okay. But okay.
1: Yes, right. but I'm getting the game. It's your, co- your cover. I'm getting the game. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, Cavs finally introduced ITJ Crowder and Ante Zizic should have saved the seat for that unprotected Nets pick. And after Isaiah's hip prompted the Cavs to ask the Celtics for more, the press conference, which fittingly, like the trade was delayed, started with three consecutive questions about his recovery. The Cavs acknowledged that Thomas will miss the start of the season, but they weren't putting a timetable on him.
3: When did you know um, that you had suffered a, a torn labrum last, last year? So, again, like I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want this to be the Isaiah Thomas hip press conference. And so I'm, I'm just going to, with all the respect, shut down the, the hip questions. If we want to talk about Isaiah, let's talk about Isaiah the All-Star. Let's talk about Isaiah, the guy that averaged 29 points a game last year. Let's talk about him as a leader and what he's going to bring to this franchise um, in terms of his performance on the floor when we get him back. So, again, guys, I, I, we appreciate the questions, but this is not going to turn to the Isaiah Thomas hip press conference.
1: Again, three straight questions to start it off. Mm-hmm. I, re- I respect how the young new GM, how you put the, the media in check there. I respect Who it. are you right now? Uh, a veteran member of the media who's in a position Turn to be able to be objective. That, I'm not turning my quick, back on anybody. I'm not are,
2: t- look, with all due respect to Kobe Altman, you don't get to tell them what they should ask you. Or you do. What's the whole point of a press conference, right? That's for you to field questions. You can't control what questions I ask you, and it just so happens that the player you traded for, there's a lot of injury mm-hmm. Issues right. with him. you Went
1: back in and wanted more in the trade. Exactly. You got Miami's 2027. So 20 people second. are
2: trying to figure out what exactly mm-hmm. happened here. That's get your it. job as the media. I got
1: it. You right. got a job to do. I got a job to okay, do. But yeah, I'll be Kobe but he- I got a job to do. My job is maybe not to control what questions are asked, but my job is to control the message, okay. control the narrative, he can control, control the, message, the environment. But you don't get to tell me what to ask. I can tell you. You could. You I can not ask it. I can tell you. Or you can just say no comment. I can tell it you. Keep saying look, it. Look, we've answered the questions. We've told you there is is no timetable. We have told you that we're not going to rush it. It's uncertain. We're not going to put unfair. Expectations on how soon he can be back, so you can hold it against me later, Ms. Member of the media, because I know how you so do. Not, now you, you sat with, with, like with management, it's like that. I'm not I'm saying this is a GM who nailed the trade. Okay, this offseason, they let go of a previous successful GM. Chauncey Billups turned him down. Didn't get Paul George. Didn't get Jimmy Butler. Another LeBron decisions on the horizon. This should be cause for celebration and not concern. This, this event is to introduce Isaiah Thomas and, the, and everybody else that you got in this trade, okay? So you are not trying to let people change the conversation into, well, wait a second, did they really break even or even win this trade, given the uncertainty about IT's hip? No, you're trying to let people know, hey, we got a, we got a great player who's recovering. And not to mention, Jamel, LeBron's watching. LeBron's watching. So you know what? It's my job, much like Katie did with Russ against Mark Cuban. It's my job to get my players back. So I understand his perspective. When you balance an objective, Jamel, as a journalist, you can understand both sides of the story.
2: Look, your Boston Globe colleagues are rolling in their graves right now looking at you (laughs) coming out against us. You used to be one
1: of us, If I I were writing the story, that's what I would write it about. All right, look,
2: for the first time since Wimbledon in 1985, we have an All-American Women's Semifinal Quartet. A Grand Slam. Venus Williams leads the bunch as the only one of the four with an appearance in a Grand Slam final. Sloan Stevens, Madison Keys, and Coco, Coco excuse me, Vandeweghe have combined to win 138 Grand Slam matches, while Venus has 262 by herself. And with that, we welcome in tennis great Mary Joe Fernandez right there on the scene. Now, as I just said, the last time four American women were slated at the U.S. Open semifinal round was 1981. What kind of statement has this final made about the overall health
0: of the game when it comes
2: to American women's tennis?
0: Well, it's a tremendous statement for American tennis on the women's side. I mean, it has been a long time since we've seen four. It's a rarity. Um, I think the good thing for American tennis is not only are we seeing them now compete for a Grand Slam title, but to begin the tournament, we had 23 Americans in the draw, which is a very big number. So Venus and Serena have led the way for so many years. 20 years ago, Venus got to the finals here as a 17-year-old, and now you're seeing a lot of the influence that both Venus and Serena had on this next generation, playing well at the same time. They're pushing each other. Coco, Madison, Sloan, they all play together for Cup, for the American team. They've been on Olympic teams together, and they're inspired at the same time. So this is a great sign for things to come for American women.
1: Mary Jo, which ladies' semifinal run most impresses you?
0: Well, they're all pretty impressive. I mean, when you think about Venus Williams, the leader of the group, 20 years after reaching the finals here as a 17-year-old, that she's still contending for a major. She's you know, trying to get into her third Grand Slam final of the season and potentially be number two in the world. I think that's just remarkable. But then you look at the stories of Sloane Stephens coming back from foot surgery. She didn't play for a year and just in her fifth tournament is in the semifinals of the U.S. Open. With Madison Key, she's had two wrist surgeries. She's only played four tournaments since Wimbledon, and she's won so many great matches. She's got the most power in the entire group. Coco Vandeweghe comes from an athletic family, and she's putting it together with her coach, Pat Cash, the mental side of it. But that's what it's going to come down to. It's a new position for these young women. Venus has been there before. Who's going to handle the pressure, the occasion, the tension of trying to win a U.S. Open title? All right, Mary Jo, i got to put you on the spot
2: a little bit. Of the four Americans that remain, who you got? Who has the best chance of winning this all?
0: That's a tough one. I think they all have a great chance. Um, I picked Madison Keys to win it before the tournament started. I'm going to stick with her. I think she has the most upside because of her huge power, especially on the forehand, but she's got a great serve. She's aggressive from the baseline. She's been coming to net quite uh, convincingly, and she's a great mover. She beat Coco twice this summer. She's had a win over Venus. She does have one loss against Sloan, but at the end of the day, it will be mental. Who can deal with the pressure the best?
1: All right, thanks for the knowledge, and we will talk to you, hopefully, tomorrow after a great couple of matches. All right, Keys and Coco, is later. Righty, let's talk thanks. about the first match. Asked about facing Sloan Stevens in the semis. Venus Williams asked reporters I don't think I've ever played her, did I? Yep, they met in the first round of the 2015 French with Stevens winning in straight sets. So now I'm going to put you on the spot, Jamel, tonight. You team Venus or team Sloan?
2: You know I can't go against the family, Mike. (laughs) Nobody wins with the family (laughs) feud. The Williams sisters. Um, It's just that Venus, especially for her to be at this point in in her career, she's become such an ambassador for the game. I can't pick against her, even though I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? Sloane Stevens, I mean, it's just as much as her time as anybody else's. I mean, she's somebody who has been clawing her way to get to this point, especially this past year. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at who is more deserving. Well, not deserving, but somebody who hasn't won versus somebody who's won quite a bit. I get it. That's
1: not what I was going to say. You were But you said it well. If I were, you said it better. All right. So that was great. I was going to just say, I was going to turn the tables on you. A minute ago, Mm -hmm. you tried to play the journalist card. What's the better story? What's the better story for you to write is, is it the up-and-coming Sloan Stevens, 83rd ranked? See, that's not running fair. to the final. That's not fair. Or Venus, who, look, this resurgence has been amazing to watch, but has been there, done that legacy, is cemented. I think it's Sloan coming off the surgery is the better story. And
2: there is something to be said for what Mary Jo Fernandez said, and that in terms of the health of the game for the American women. We all win. Everybody wins, and especially for Sloan. That would be a great moment for her. All right, on to some college football. Generally speaking, college football coaches try to keep other coaches' names out of their mouths as a professional courtesy. Urban Meyer said not today. Uh, He took issue with Texas coach Tom Herman, once his offensive coordinator at Ohio State, who said in the wake of his debut loss to Maryland that he, quote, couldn't sprinkle fairy dust on the players he inherited at Texas from Charlie Strong. Uh, urban said come on man i don't know where that came from this is what he told cbs sports it's like a new generation of excuse he said i can't rub pixie dust on this thing he got a dose of reality maryland just scored 51 points on you dang here's more from meyer on his irritation with coaches who blame the previous administration
1: when i hear coaches say well it's not these aren't my guys or you know wait, wait till he gets his guys in there I, I cringe whose guys do you think they are once you become the head coach, they're officially your guys. And many of you say, "I do." When I hear that, I just, you gotta be kidding me. Why would a coach say that? That, because what do you think those players are doing? Those players are listening, so they are your guys. Show me the lie. I, that was that show was me big. the lie. And that was that was real. And you know what I respect about it is like, it's one thing to to talk about a rival or chastise somebody that you don't have a connection with, to do with your former OC, somebody whose connection with you is on his resume. I mean, Tom Herman, a successful guy. I think he's a, a good fit for Texas and is going to get this thing turned around. But nonetheless, in part, got where he is because of his connection to Urban Meyer. So Urban's like, I, didn't, I taught you better than that. Right. You're not representing me when you go out and say, well, I wasn't going to turn this mess around overnight or clean this up overnight. Because, I, look, in fairness to Tom Herman, I don't think he meant it the way it sounded. But I know as somebody who talks every day for a living, oftentimes – I say things that don't come out exactly how I meant them. I don't think he meant to disparage Charlie Strong or disassociate himself from the players, but that's how it does sound. Right. Because the opposite would never be said. If they go out and are, and are impressive in week one and climb up into the top 15 after beating Maryland, nobody's saying, well, thanks, Charlie Strong, for laying a great foundation that Tom Herman could pick oh, be up. all too happy to if, take the it credit. It would be Tom Herman's a miracle worker. Right.
2: No, and, and especially people don't want to hear it when, what, your recruiting class last year ranked second in the Big 12? All right, So no one wants to hear this whole. Oh, I I, I didn't have enough to win. And, and here's the thing with Tom Herman. Like you, I think that it's very, he's made convenient target practice all week, and especially given how everybody wanted to coronate him and a lot of other coaches. The scuttlebutt is like he's overrated. He hadn't proven enough and he gets this big job. And I get that he faces a certain amount of professional jealousy. Don't think that's what Urban Meyer was doing. But since he got there mm-hmm. at Texas, his message has been we need to change the culture and we need to do something so much different, which every time you say that is a direct it's shot at the person who was exactly. just there. Now, here you come with your $10,000 lockers, okay, and people want to see the results.
1: And I'm a fan of what he's doing.
2: No, I, I am, too. Like, I, I, I like the motivational uh, stuff that he does. I like his message. He relates to recruits. Like, I, he's going to get this done. I, I do believe that. But, hey, man, you're at Texas. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that you don't have enough, and they don't want to hear uh, that expectations are, are too high. So you're right. saying we don't belong in the top 25. No especially, one wants to hear
1: Especially that. when, you, hey, you're not clapping back at the GOAT. Right. One, one of your for, former employers, and one of the greatest coaches of all time. So you can't say that he's wrong. B. Everywhere Urban Meyer's gone, immediate turns or turn around. That first season. So it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. what I, and sometimes coaches can be coached too. And this is a teachable moment for Tom Hearn. Time to take it on leave it, Jamel, and an ESPN.com panel of experts. Aaron Rodgers was voted NFL MVP as a popular pick. All right, so take it or leave it, Jay. Aaron Rodgers will run away with MVP.
2: I'm going to leave that. Not that he isn't, obviously, a strong candidate for MVP this year. You know who I like for MVP? Russell Wilson. That's who I like for MVP. I'm buying all the hype about him being slimmer. Supposedly looks the best that he has in his his career in camp. We know what that defense is going to be like. He's clearly a playmaker.
1: I like Russell Wilson. Not a bad pick. I'm taking it, though. Do we have take it? Put mine up. Make sure it's right. (laughs) Okay, take it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking this because I think Rogers is gonna pick up where he left off after his run the table comment when he wasn't missing, wasn't throwing a pick, was just on fire, didn't get it done in the postseason, obviously, but I don't think you're gonna have the slow start that's gonna require the relax or run the table type call. Like he's just he's in a mental place with the Packers in this offseason, the tight ends, the wide receivers healthy. Give me Aaron Rodgers. Just lighten it up from day one. All
2: right, speaking of quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger has been hinting at retirement. He said this offseason he's, quote, taking it one year at a time. Take it or leave it, Mike. This will be Roethlisberger's last season. I'm
1: going to leave it because I'm not sure. I think he out here, Brett Favre. Not trying to see if he still got it. Shout out to three stats. I I just think (laughs) the the offseason, the training camp, the obligations – or a nuisance to him at this point in his career, so I could see him kind of dragging it out and maybe, you know, kind of maybe showing up late next year, and the itch still being there, especially with such a talented team he's got around.
2: I'm there. gonna take this one. He's been talking about this not just this past offseason, but he's been hinting at this for a couple of years now. Out the door. You know how it is when you're. They always say if you're already thinking about it, that means mentally you kind it's of like already. Like you're saying about it. relationships. Yeah.
1: Like you've been. You breaking start up planning up that six, six months,
2: months to before then, before you actually do it.
1: All right. There's a lot of hype around Jameis Winston and the Bucks. In fact, he's my fantasy. Quarterback. I'm gonna go so far. Well, let me ask you first. Let me ask you, take it or leave it. Best QB in the NFC South in 2017, Jameis Winston. That's a division right. with the last two MVPs and a future hall of famer in it.
2: Matt Ryan's still here, right? hmm Just curious. Because <laughs> uh I, look, it's tough when you between Matt, Cam, Drew Brees, yeah. him. This sounds like a slight, but when you consider the competition, it but could J- be last. Jameis is 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 the quote worst quarterback in that division. I think he
1: explodes this year. I think he explodes. I mean, they, they set him up to succeed. They took a tight end, 19th overall in OJ Howard out of Alabama, yeah. who's amazing. He may not be their number one tight end because he still likes Cameron Bray. You got Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, the stable of running backs. He's got so many weapons around him. My only concern, and I don't mean to trivialize this, is how does Irma and its impact in playing 16 straight, how does that affect him? but he is ready to lead that team to a division title and by that rationale and statistically be the best quarterback in the division.
2: Wow. Uh, The Cowboys, they are still favorites to win the division despite Ezekiel Elliott's suspension. Uh, Take it or leave it, Mike. The Cowboys will repeat as NFC East champions.
1: I'm going to leave it. A special year last year, everything came together for him. And while I think Dak Prescott could be a better quarterback this year, maybe even statistically, I don't know that it manifests itself in wins. I think that offensive line is a little shakier. Still one of the best, but a little shakier than people realize. Zeke's going to serve those six sooner or later. Defense, we know about the, the absences and the suspensions and that sort of thing. I like New York to win a division on the strength of its defense.
2: Okay, uh, I'm going to take this, though. Still I still too, I still man. like the Cowboys. I think Zach is going to be improved and it will pay dividends. And I'm buying all the hype about him and Des Bryant having a renewed tour and Dez, Him and Des Bryant. That awesome receiver for the Dallas Cowboys.
1: <laughs> I know I'm not picking <laughs> Notice one thing we didn't pick up. All right. Uh, my man Adam Kilgore, the Washington Post, he wrote today, or at least somebody wrote a headline on his column today, that the NFL's best defensive player may sit out indefinitely, and nobody is talking about it. So let's talk about it. According to Adam Schefter, Aaron Donald is expected to sit out the opener. Take it or leave it, Donald will sit out the whole season.
2: Uh, I'm going to leave this. I, it, it, even though I, I believe Aaron Donald A should be paid, and certainly paid like one of the three or four best players in football, It's just when it comes to missing games, I think NFL players, more than anybody else, are more aware of the clock that's ticking on their careers. So I think at some point, though he has a fair, salient point,
1: I think he comes back. I don't think he's accrued this many fines. He's willing to start giving up game checks to turn back now. He's making 1.8, which is big money to you and me. But to him and what he deserves to be the highest-paid defensive player in the league... He's willing to sacrifice that to get what's coming to him. I mean, people think he's the best player, regardless of position, in the league. I know he's the most handsome player in the league, okay? So pay that man his money, and if not, you'll miss him starting Sunday against, well, maybe not Sunday against Scott Tolzien, but (laughs) going forward. You're right. Tom Brady will try to become the first quarterback in NFL history to start all 16 games in a season after turning 40, after turning 40. The only quarterbacks to start double-digit games after turning 40 are Favre, Vinny Testaverde, and Moon. Favre is the only 40-year-old quarterback to start a playoff game in the Super Bowl era. So my question to you, Jamel, they say Father Time is undefeated. Is this the season that Father Time actually takes the lead on Tom Brady?
2: Yeah, there's exceptions to every rule, and Tom Brady is a, a, a gross exception. It seems crazy to say because you pointed out quarterbacks who have been some of the best to ever play this game, what happened to them at a certain age. The difference is I don't know if any of them are in the shape that Tom Brady is, I think, and, and I almost brought this up earlier when we talked about how the Patriots fans still hate Roger Goodell. Well, the upside is, of, of what happened with the Flaygate is Roger Goodell, that's four less games that your quarterback played him, which allows him to be a little bit fresher at this point in, in his career. I think Brady is just as hungry as he's always been. Yeah. He is so in love with the process, I just don't see him falling off. I just don't anticipate that he's just going to go off a cliff and all of a sudden not be the Tom Brady, the great quarterback we recognize.
1: I wouldn't say I'm the Tom Brady of this business, but a bad day for me is a lot of people's best day. (laughs) Tom Brady, the last three years, 33 touchdowns and nine picks, 36 touchdowns and seven picks, 28 (laughs) touchdowns and two picks. So even if he slips, what are we talking about? Right. 25 and 10. What are are we talking like slipping from up here from being maybe the best quarterback, if not player in the league at 40 is not saying a whole lot. I said before, I and, and if I had to put money on Tom Brady versus father time. I'm putting my money on Tom Brady because I think he is that rare exception. He's in shape. The legs are usually the first thing to go. As you mentioned, he's in shape, takes care of himself. The team takes care of him, not just in terms terms of the protection, but the system. He takes care of himself. He's talked about how he's learned how to absorb punishment, how to take hits, and not have it be a season in injury. He hasn't missed a start since, I want to say, 2009? The year after he came off the ACL, yeah. a start due to injury. Right. Obviously, the suspension's notwithstanding. And also, too, the versatility in that system is one of the reasons why I'm not worried about Malcolm Mitchell's absence, because they train their receivers to play every position on offense. Mm-hmm. That's why some people can't transition to the, to the Patriots' system. Likewise, if Brady's skills are somewhat diminishing, they're not going to ask him to do things that he's no longer capable of doing. So, no slippage at all. We take it now to Foxborough, where Sal Powell is there. So, Sal, last segment, uh, we talked about whether undefeated Father Time would take a lead, if not beat 40-year-old Tom Brady this season. We both don't think so. Now, you've talked to people who know Brady. What's his mindset heading into his 18th and possibly final season, at least with the Patriots?
3: Well, you know, he talked, Michael, all week long about having butterflies going into this game. So I kind of talked to people who know him, and they were like, come on, man. That, that's just not the case. This guy is chomping at the bit to play in this football game. He, quote, here's the quote, Michael. He wants to prove he can do this at 40. <laughs> now, I also talk to a lot of defensive-minded coaches around the AFC who also say, listen, the first thing that goes at 40, because no quarterback has ever finished a 16-game season in right. the NFL at age 40, the first thing that goes at 40 is your legs. His yep. arm is fine. Okay, the trigger is good. It's the legs. And so what you got to do is make the pocket feel dirty around his feet and his ankle and his knees. The Chiefs have done that. They were the ones who injured him eight years ago. And there they got a great pass rush. The front seven of the Chiefs is their strong suit. The thing is that Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator with the Chiefs, does not like the blitz. They were last in the league in blitz percentage last year. So what they'd like to do... With Marcus Peters, is press cover. They play a match-up zone defense with a lot of man-to-man, more than many man-to-man in any other team in the league. Press cover and force Brady to hold the football. The longer he holds the football, the better chance they have to get at him and hitting him. No. That's,
1: that's the sixth and Edge NFL matchup joining together right there, Sal, pal. That's good stuff right there, baby.
2: Now, uh, Sal,
1: of course... Uh, the Patri- Jaws is smiling right
2: now. Of course, the Patriot fans, they're looking forward to celebrating their defending uh, champions, but I don't know if they're looking forward to as much as that as to booing Roger Goodell. Now, what are you hearing about how Roger Goodell will be received by the Patriot fans tonight?
3: Well, let me get you up to date right now, Jamel. It's a Where's Rogers situation. I was told much earlier in the day by NFL security that he was going to be here by about 4 p.m. Now, we all know, like, the traffic coming in here is real bad. Mm-hmm. But he, I just texted NFL security about 15 minutes ago, and they said he was still not here. Now, if you remember, <clears throat> excuse me, in the preseason, he was here for the Jaguars preseason game. He made an unannounced visit to Robert Kraft's box. Right, And Boston Globe took a quick picture of the two of them. It wound up on their website, and the social media backlash was so bad. I mean, I can't repeat the stuff that was on social media here on this TV station so uh, on the air. So we know about the billboard on Route 1. We showed you pictures of it, and maybe they still have a shot of it. They could put it up with the clown nose. That's the T-shirt, and then 70,000 fans... (laughs) 70,000 fans are going to get a towel with the same depiction. I've seen them all over the stands. People have them everywhere. And but some Patriots <laughs> fan just threw one at me. This is get a real South Powell shot, though. you got to have a prop. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Come on. We're right on top of the stands. It's cra- I mean, they're everywhere. And. Uh, you know, that that was crazy. Okay, so, I'm sorry. What's your next question? I no. you good? Because
1: I was just admiring how you directed the show from Foxborough. Right. Like, throw exactly. that shot up for me right there. That's yeah. a veteran right there. I'm telling you, Sal. You're <laughs> tell already mid-season four. Right. You already in mid season form. Appreciate it, Sal, fella. Enjoy the rest of the night, man. Don't go ham on that guy, please. <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, the latest with uh, Michael Bennett. On the heels of Roger Goodell, the aforementioned Roger Goodell putting out a statement in support of Michael Bennett. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and NBA Players Association Executive Director Michelle Roberts co-signed the letter to the league's players, encouraging them in the pursuit of social consciousness. Now, meanwhile, when it comes to uh, Michael Bennett... Steve Gramos, the president of the Las Vegas Police Protective Association, has written a letter to NFL Commissioner Goodell calling for him to take appropriate action against Michael Bennett. Bennett has accused police officers of racial profiling, saying they pointed guns at him and used excessive force during an incident in Vegas last month. The Las Vegas Protective Association represents active and retired members of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. The union is not responsible for investigating the Bennett incident. That is being handled by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. Here's... Michael's brother, Martellus. It gets emotional when you think about it, like, overall, but... But, yeah, like, sometimes, like, a hug is the best thing you could give, and it's just... I mean... I don't really... I don't really know, really, you know what I'm saying? I don't really have the answers, so... You just think, what if, you know? Two seconds this way, two seconds that way, the whole thing is different, so... So for me, it's just, i am just be happy to see my brother, because there's a chance that I couldn't see him. All right, again, this is uh, Detective Steve Grammas. He's the president of the Las Vegas Metro Police Protective Association. Uh, his statement read, uh, in part, While the NFL may condone Bennett's disrespect for our American flag and everything it symbolizes, we hope the league will not ignore Bennett's false accusations against our police officers. We believe that a fair investigation will establish that our officers responded to one of the most dangerous calls a law enforcement officer can be assigned. Our officers, who are both minorities...
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> Has a legal right past. and
1: obligation to detain Bennett based upon the nature of the call and Bennett's unusual and suspicious actions. Now, the NFL, PA and the NFL have since both said that there is no grounds for an investigation and no apparent violation of the personal conduct policy. Your reaction to all that?
2: Uh, my reaction, um, well, one, kudos to the NBA. And I, I think that they have before, they, they didn't even need to make that statement. I think everybody has known given the relationship with their players, given how players like LeBron James and Chris Paul and D Wade and Carmelo Anthony, what they have stood for publicly and privately and been supported uh, by their union and by Adam Silver, we saw with Donald Sterling what what time it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's it's a different kind of league for a lot of different reasons. So kudos to them for making it even that much more clear that they welcome their athletes being active with social justice issues. As for the statement by the police union, I can't say that I'm surprised. I can't even say I'm disappointed because to be disappointed, I would have been to expect differently. It was just so much in that statement that just exposed so much. Um, we both uh, took a took a time out as soon as uh, you read the statement about our officers who are both minorities, as if that has anything to do with any clear of this, like a
1: basic understanding of how racial profiling works. Correct. People and of color can racially profile other people of color. Yes, they can. Especially in, in this and it's,
2: Look, you look at the officers in the Freddie Gray trial. Mm-hmm. Many of them were of color. All right. So this is about how black men in this society and black women, too, are viewed, judged, and feared by a lot of those with guns and badges. Mm -hmm. Uh, Putting that aside for a moment, interesting that they brought up his national anthem Mm protest, which let me further know Mm -hmm. what this statement was really about. Look, we already knew what this situation how it was going to unfold in terms of how, what the reaction would be and of course ever since michael bennett put out this statement about what happened to him and, and therefore and also publicly talked about it people have been nitpicking saying oh but it doesn't look like this and where's this evidence and this they've been looking for ways to undermine and basically call michael bennett a liar they needed to so be a lie they need it to be a lie so that they can
1: undermine the credibility of the cause mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to first of all you mentioned not being surprised. Cops aren't going to cop to racially profile They're not going to stand up and say, you know what? That's exactly what Now that you've told me. Yeah, because oftentimes it happens subconsciously. Sometimes consciously, oftentimes consciously, but sometimes it is subconscious. You may not know that you did it. Clearly, they don't know how racial profiling works if you went out of your way, like we just talked about, to point out, oh, well, they're Hispanic. So why would they racially profile a black guy? They will- That's just not how this works. Poor training, poor education on the part of these officers perpetuating that myth. But I just want to ask this. Why is let's talk about the why. okay? the why Michael Bennett feared for his life. Tell me why, according to him. And what reason does Michael Bennett have to lie? Not as if not as if this conversation or this cause needs any more martyrs or examples to be credible or true despite what people want to believe, what does Michael Bennett have to gain by fabricating a story? He was released. He's not covering for anything. He wasn't arrested. He wasn't in trouble. So why would he go to such great lengths to make up something as traumatizing as a gun being pointed to your head, saying, I will blow your effing head off? Why would he do that? Okay. So why is that necessary under any circumstances? But here you go again. Don't rush to judgment on the police, but look at his suspicious behavior, a.k.a. you're acting like a thug. You're acting like a criminal. All I want to ask is, why is... In this case, Michael Bennett, but in the cases of people that look like Michael Bennett or similar to Michael Bennett, why is their fear for their life dismissed as irrational and unfounded, but when it's reversed, a trained police officer, when it comes to sanctioned killings by agents of the state of often unarmed civilians, why is their fear for their life understood and accepted and sympathized with?
2: Well, you know why. Because it's much easier. I was rhetorical. Yes, I know. You know why? <laughs> it's much easier to sell being afraid of us as opposed to the other way around. Time for the doing too much countdown. Okay, we're getting or we have gotten to the bottom of a mystery. It turns out that Aaron Rodgers uh, was trying to fix Sam Decker's garbage disposal, but it wasn't broken. It just wasn't plugged in. That's why he was holding
1: I, I didn't pay close enough, enough to the picture, but you know what that makes this uh-huh. that's, that's a me type thing. By the way, again, real MVP. Real MVP in, in the NFL, MVP for fixing this. This morning, I spent tra- taking lemons out of my garbage disposal. I'm like, why does it sound like it's broken? They say you're supposed to put lemons in it to make it smell better.
2: Oh. Yeah, my wife
1: did that, but it was annoying me. All right, Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie was asked about his favorite Andy Reid story today. And Lurie said the first time the two went out to dinner... Andy Reid ordered three steaks. Of course he did. Andy Reid ordered three steaks back when he was in the punt pass and kick contest. <laughs> and that's Andy right. Reid. Ready to eat tonight. <laughs> eat right. that Patriots defense. He'll order a big steak if they win tonight.
2: Most important question is, how he was did medium. It medium. Okay. And
1: where was it from? Capital Grill. Yeah, Virginia where was Del it from? Okay, where what was else? it from?
2: Where was it from? And whether or not he had a one or not? Because if he had a one, he should have got up from the table.
1: Yeah, and it's right? The chef should have got up. From the
2: <laughs> <table>. <laughs> All right, uh, more bad Browns news. <laughs> <Please. It's laughs> Again, there's no such thing. Uh, three months after trading for Calvin Pryor, he was released today after fighting with teammate Ricardo Lewis.
1: Can't have that, man. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. I don't. I got nothing. And then, and then Miles <laughs> Garrett's outfit is it two weeks at least now? Yeah. High ankle sprain. What you got stepped on? You try to make it like it was something that was just a. No,
2: I. I wasn't you trying to make it, it like mean, it was I so just brown. Think if you're if you're the Browns, a Browns fan, I, told you, I understand Cavs they had Ohio the
1: State, <laughs> Indians gone for fifteen in a row tonight, baby. It's good days <laughs> in Cleveland. That's uh. So Hawaii linebacker coach Sean Dugan, he sustained a dislocated wrist and a fractured elbow after trying to chest bump 6'7", 270-pound defensive lineman who looks like the mountain from Game of Thrones. (laughs) I'm through four seasons now, by the way. You're through four? I'm through four seasons. I'm powering through. I'm catching up. So, it's, so it's like that. It's uh, so good. When is it better to, than look, the wire? Look, when he went too high. Look, you can't go that high.
2: See, know
1: oh, yeah, nowhere. To, oh, God. Uh,
2: is it better than the wire?
1: Oh, God, no. It's great. Some people said it was. No, I don't know who those people are. All right,
2: so check this out. Who over. are these people? <laughs> 55,000 Chilean soccer fans say they will march. They will march in hopes of getting national soccer star Alexis Sanchez to break up with his girlfriend because they blame her for his recent poor play. See, that's See just-
1: and Aaron Rodgers was complaining about the local media with Olivia Munn. They're out here having rallies and protests. They They're out here like, up. give give us free, or give you free from your girlfriend. Oh, it's not. It's a game. It's the it's the beautiful game, but it's not a game. It's a good day if you hate tanking in the NBA because sources tell Woj that the NBA is aggressively pursuing draft lottery reform to de-incentivize tanking by implementing lower odds on the NBA's worst teams. It wouldn't start this year's draft, but next year's draft. You like it?
2: I do like it, Um, but I like my good day better because according to a study conducted by the personal finance company Smart Asset Detroit, Detroit is the best place in the nation for pizza in 2017, so all you Northeasterners constantly talk about Pepe's and all this other We own pizza, baby. We do. And I'm out.
1: We'll see y'all tomorrow, man. We had such a good show until that.